Hi, and welcome to Food with Mark Bittman. We have a great, great guest today, a really interesting conversation with me and Kate and Toya Bodie. But first, let me remind you that you can always reach out to us at food at markbittman.com. We'd love to hear from you. Questions, answers, complaints, raves, whatever you like. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate us, give us stars, whatever it is you do. And while you're at it, subscribe to our now thrice weekly newsletter, The Bitman Project at bitmanproject.com. Or for all things related to everything we do, markbitman.com. Okay, back in a second. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I really couldn't be more pleased to tell you that today's guest is the shining star or one of the shining stars of New Orleans cooking, Toya Bodie, whose fantastic book, Cooking for the Culture, came out just this month. Toya grew up in, I mean, what sounds like to me, an inspiringly happy family, two wonderful parents who raised their kids with love and tough love, both. Money was tight, but good meals were a big priority, and Toya was taught the virtues of home cooking early on. When her grades were bad, I did that, and she decided to get a job, her mom said to her, that's good, you need to work, because at the rate you're going, you're going to need to know how to work hard. Well, she did. Toy's first job was cooking at the corner store, and in New Orleans, the corner stores offer a huge variety of different foods. She was 15. You'll hear about all of this. That's how she got her start cooking, and she hasn't stopped becoming a bona fide star along the way. She's appeared on plenty of TV, Guys, Grocery Games, TLC, The Food Network. She was crowned Best Home Cook by Hallmark's Home and Family Channel, and she's an ambassador for the New Orleans Multicultural Tourism Network. Toya is warm and funny and thoughtful, and Kate and I absolutely loved talking with her, which you will be able to tell. I want to mention also that 
Toya's book is really great. And I think we picked like the simplest and best recipe imaginable, one that's going to be instantly appealing to everyone. So stay around for that. Okay, here we go. I love your book so much. I looked at every single page. I read most of the essays. The way that you have like a sort of mini memoir before each chapter and then the recipes tie into it is so beautiful. I just love it so much. Man, thank you so much. That means a lot to me because it it was an interesting process. Countryman Press gave me a large amount of creative freedom. I think once I started turning stuff in, I bet I I'm, I told Chris, my husband and manager, I said, I bet now they're looking at the files, they're thinking, did we give her too much? But, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I had to really get them to understand how it was all going to weave together and what I was trying to do. And I didn't have a typical stand and stir kind of start with cooking. You know, it was really like woven into my life with things and stuff like that. So I think in order to, you know, display on a large platform, my relationship with food and my journey, I had to tell those things because otherwise they would look at it and just think, so you didn't work in a restaurant? What? What? (laughs) You know, it would be hard for them to comprehend. I think it's more and more common now, but yeah. So I love New Orleans. We could talk we could talk more about that, but I love that you at 15 went into a convenience store. What did you do? You dropped off a plate of food at a convenience store because you wanted yes. to get a job and you knew that you could cook. But I want to know how you already knew you could cook at 15. Was it just from hanging out with your mom so much? No, actually, I actually like most young children stubborn you know I didn't even want to sit in the kitchen and learn anything with her I taught myself how to cook I was frying my first time I remember actually frying something on a cast iron with a cast iron skillet I cut up fresh potatoes for my friend Latrice in third grade and I remember what was interesting about that she taught me how to salt and pepper the fries before you put them in the the grease you know and that was how that started. It was really just a a whole, like, you got to realize I didn't have much. I didn't have a bunch of toys. I didn't have like a bunch of freedom because I was always punished, you know, because of schoolwork. I was, I, it was ridiculous. I mean, I know it had to be terribly discouraging for my parents. I was put out at preschool, you know, like, so, and it kept going where I was getting in trouble. So you know, what really left me there was just food. I mean, I think actually Mark and Mark and I were both similar to you in that we're smart, but we weren't good at school. We were we were not great school. Like right. I, I remember being thrilled that I got a D minus in algebra two because I was like, at least I passed. Or maybe it was physics. Yes. But I was like, I can't. This is just not for mm-hmm. me. Um and then your mom had like some term that she used for for grades that Doing fine. <laughs> In other words, not flunking out. Man, she yeah. got that, that black woman went. She quick. She said she got doing fine grades, D's and F's. And I said, man, this woman is hilarious. <laughs> like, she is quick. You cannot play with her. She will get you together. <laughs> she said, like, oh, it's a good thing you like to work because... <laughs> You're not gonna <laughs> girl when she told girl when she told me you need to get a job because the route the route you're going, you're gonna have to work. And I was like, man, repeating it back was hilarious. Cause I was like, man, this woman is really funny. And she just she's not even trying. And just imagine that to set the stage. My mother smoked all of my childhood. So everything she said was literally with a cigarette hanging off the tip of her lip. Or something in her hand. And there's a lot of photos of her like that too. But it's just, it's hilarious how she just made fun of certain things, but she was really serious. Like, but that was a that was a punch to my gut as an adult looking back at that. And I thought she was right. Cause I've had like 22 jobs. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. I counted them because my husband only had like three, you know. 
he's it's definitely a heathen aristocrat. I'm I'm the heathen, he's the aristocrat. So he's like, I he said, What? I've only had like three jobs or something like that. I was like, What? But <laughs> you know, we live different lives. You're 15, you get the job at the corner store. And mm-hmm. in New Orleans, you know, everything is kind of varied and fun, and there's not a lot of rules and and those convenience stores I know are kind of wild. What did you wind up cooking for them? Uh, anything that in, in our corner stores here in New Orleans, you can find po'boys, fish plates. Um, you can find meat pies, chicken, fried chicken kebabs. Uh, you can get sliced hog head cheese, sliced deli meat, eggs. You know, you can even get some most corner stores have even and they sell t-shirts and jewelry and bongs and so there's like a wide <laughs> variety of stuff and you can buy stuff to tune up your car so like i don't think you really understand like if you want i will send you a video i will go on a corner store and send you a video like that's exactly that's exactly how it is so i ended up cooking all of that stuff and when i was writing it i realized like shit i was catering at like 15 working under the table. I didn't even, I didn't even know. I just thought, I mean, I do this at home, so why can't I do it here? Yeah. I read, like you talked about having fried turkey legs or something there. I was like, like, Mm -hmm. that corner store had everything, (laughs) everything. And I, and I believe it or not, I'll make all of this food at the house. I'll throw something at the house and I will send my husband while I'm going to take a shower. I send him to the corner store outside my neighborhood, I'll send him to a corner store to get me a meat pie and an order of Cajun fries. Now, that may sound crazy, but I still, like when people ask me about, name your top restaurants, I don't know, you know, I'm still boogie down. I still like to eat at corner stores and stuff, you know, holes in the wall, yeah. you know? It's it's comfort for me. Let's talk about your parents because I'm a little bit in love with them. They're amazing. They're amazing. They really are. I love reading about them so much. The way that you describe them, it's like you could just feel the love coming from the pages. I was reading the part where you talk about your your mom worked like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., right? So mm-hmm. she worked the night shift and then you would wake her up in the middle of the sleep cycle to like feed her. You would wake her up so that she could try something that you had made. Yeah. Lemon yeah. squares. He still blames that. Um, That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> You're, not an adult. I'm like, you can't blame that on me, ma'am. <laughs> So your parents were super loving. You had everything you needed. Money was tight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read this part from your book. My parents made everything from scratch, always meals that stretched, and rarely did we eat box or fast food meals. I used to think it was because my mother was against any other food until I got old enough to truly understand a statement that has been so famously said in Black households. You got McDonald's money? (laughs) You got McDonald's money? (laughs) I I just feel like that's such a nice encapsulation of everything that you guys did food wise growing up. Like the way that your parents stretched the ingredients and they froze single servings of chicken. And it's just Mm -hmm. really inspiring. And uh, it makes me feel like we're not doing enough right now. So I'm wondering how, (laughs) How did your parents manage? How did they manage the cooking? What were order. what were the things that they made on a regular basis? Order. It, it was order that they. Um, now, I, I pointed out to them now when they make fun of me for calling before seven a.m. saying I wake up with the chickens and I'm like, y'all raise us like this. What are you talking about? What are you sleeping to noon for? AKA nine. You know. <laughs> you know. But uh, <laughs> man, I'm one of those women. Look. My curtains are always up. My husband has one of those things to go over his eyes because I like to see the sun come up, you know. But with them, with food and stuff like that, it's a tremendous amount of order. Now that I'm a wife and a mother, and you look back at it like, girl, y'all were both working hard and had fresh food all the time. You know, it's order. Um, I carry some of those same things. Like yesterday morning, I made gumbo before 9 a.m for dinner. So I wouldn't have to cook today and, you know, tomorrow, whatever. And it was a lot of order that they used. And I remember like Sunday, we would have something like, say we had like maybe smothered green beans and 
some baked chicken or something like that. That would last until like Tuesday, around Wednesday, we would get something else. That could be red gravy, some other chicken, because the red gravy is a little different. The red gravy is kind of like similar to what Italians make. And we make the red gravy and sometimes they'll have um, hot dogs and sausages chopped up in it. And that's the red gravy. And then spaghetti and meatballs would be the actual sauce and then big meatballs, stuff like that. And um, we would have stuff like stovetop macaroni and cheese, fried fish, that kind of thing. You know, it was all meals. When I look at it, I used to kind of look at it as if it were a routine. And then when it got down to like Friday, that would be the one time we could possibly get pizza or maybe they would make hamburgers or something like that or some sort of a casserole that she would probably do or something. But, you know, it was a routine and I really thought that it was really boring when I was young. But then when I got older, I realized I was like, oh, like <laughs> they were eating like this and I was eating like this. I It framed up what real wealth was in a way to me because I thought those people were more fortunate because they would come to school, pull out their backpack, the little McDonald's toys that I never got to get. You know, or they would have buckets and stuff like that from those fast food places. But now I look back at it, you know, when I got out of my parents' house, which is like 19, I looked at it and I noticed, I thought, oh, they took time to do this. Now that I'm making my own meals at home for my daughter, like, oh, that was work. Buying fast food is easy. Maybe I didn't have it so bad. If you have McDonald's money, you do have enough money to buy ingredients to cook. Then the question is, do you have time? You know, there is some question of learning how to do it and the habit and making time for it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, some people just can't. Time management, too. Yeah. It's, people don't understand time management, but I think a lot of lower income people do. You know, I think time is the one currency that they have that's so they just play it right. Okay. I need to, I got this much time. I need to work these amount of shifts. And if I work this shift, how am I going to feed them? Okay. I got to have food done. That means I get up early and make this. It's just that. There's this quote from you, the relentless drive to have what's needed keeps the ideas flowing. That's you describing how you ate growing up. And you were just talking about that. Let's talk about a little bit about how that's influenced the way you cook now. There is no such thing as I don't have, in my opinion. Like if someone would say, well, they don't have anything to eat in the house. I'm like, first of all, I call bullshit. Second, what do they have in the cabinet? And if there's something in the cabinet, then that's something that we can make. You know, and that has, especially professionally, I think that's why I'm able, I've been able to survive the twists and turns of my career because that same thing that I had in the kitchen is the same thing I apply anywhere. I find the bright side quickly. With the kitchen, it can look like it's empty. I mean, but do you have rice? Do you have eggs? That's why I put fried egg and rice. Yeah, I like that recipe. At my book signing, a local came up to me and she was like, she she gave first First, when she saw me, she dapped me off and she said, you got to be a confident bitch to put fried egg and rice in your cookbook. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because it's a hood meal. And she was like, girl, no, you didn't put this hood meal on these people's pages. <laughs> <laughs> like my, favorite, my favorite thing in the book. I was like, I got to bake that. I've never done that. <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. Girl, it's a good old project meal. It really is. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how how, how nice the house get, girl. I, these kids, if I make Friday egg and rice, everybody wants some. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but I put it there because that's one of the things too. It seems simple, but when you try it, ooh, I'm telling you, you are you're gonna eat a serving while you're cooking. So <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, that's kind of that's it's that same way with the egg, the cool theory behind eggs and rice, or you know, deciding to make cheap biscuits or whatever like that with flour and a cup of two or three other ingredients. You can really make stuff happen. And that's how I view everything with my career, my journey, the same way. You know, you can't throw me a curveball that I can't handle, you know, because something is always there. Like you just have to open your eyes to really look at it. So 
that's how that's affected my cooking and my life. There's always something available. It's never a moment when nothing exists in my mind. And I believe that's the same way that they handle stuff in the kitchen and stuff like that, too. Even down to like them throwing together meals and taking tomatoes and corn or stewed corn. You know, they make a little red gravy, put a bunch of cans of corn in a red gravy and you put that over rice. You take pork and beans, add sausage, put that over rice. You know, everything we we ate growing up and stuff that I thought that was just stuff that we kind of like to eat. But now as an adult, I noticed I said, oh, that was a struggle meal. But it was good. It's ingrained in us to just make something out of nothing. It's ingrained in us to say, oh, this. And it goes back to ancestors, too. It's ingrained for us to be given scraps and make it something good. You know, and I think that's how that's affected my life. I can't say just in the kitchen. It's all over. I love that. I love that mindset. It's such a beautiful way to think. Yeah. It's a way to think that keeps you from being a victim too. Right. Yeah. So your book is called Cooking for the Culture. What does the title mean to you? If it's not for the culture, what is it for? Like, am I just doing, am I just doing something to just get my ego boosted? Am I just, am I just doing something to see my own name in lights? Or am I, am I living this life knowing that I have the, I've been given the gift of leadership, gab, and a bunch of other things that I take very personal. I noticed that people stop when I start speaking. And my thing is, if they're going to follow me either way it goes, then what am I going to do? I'm going to show them how to be the best them. And how can I be the best form of myself without embracing my culture and digging deep into my culture and being proud of my culture, even down to wearing bright colored hair, long nails. If you look up pictures of African royalty, you see bright colors, gold chains, long nails. Like, you know, it's like, that's, <laughs> you know, it's been stigmatized to be ghetto, to be this, to be that, you know, to be abrasive. Well, really it's just beauty and it's just different types of beauty. And for me, like everything that I do is for the culture of my people, period. It's for kids to look at me and realize that they don't have to, you know, mute themselves in order to be accepted or bottle themselves up or drop their accent. You know, that was a big thing. A lot of New Orleanians, they feel like in order to go forward or not just New Orleans, just black people in general, that they have to drop their colloquialisms, their dictions or whatever, like almost as if no one will, sometimes they believe that no one will understand them. When really you just have to be yourself. And if people are walking up to your porch, they're there for a reason. That's why I, I, I do it for the culture, because if, if not, somebody else is going to pirate it, you know, yeah. and put their own spin on it, you know, and then it's going to be something completely lacking the tradition Annoyingly, I've seen some people talk about New Orleans culture in the food world and make it seem as if um, it's just riddled with old, antiquated traditions. And it's like, mm-hmm. you've got to be young. You know, I immediately, as soon as I heard the person talking, I was looking and I said, they got to be 20-something. Because, you know, you can smell 20-something, the thoughts. You, can, you know? Like, <laughs> you can. You must be about 26 <laughs> You know, You know, you could. Because the lack of respect of tradition and what came before you, you know, and the stuff like that is like taking that good spin on everything. That's what I did with the whole thing. I took it, all of the things that could have been made negative, And I said, let me make it beautiful and give you a different switch of the narrative, a different point of view. It's funny. I was thinking, I guess I got old because there's people calling the stuff that I love irrelevant or old-fashioned or whatever those people who are like that they never last long because they don't respect what's before them you know and i think i think our general well i don't know i was raised pretty old school but i think the problem with a lot of the younger people coming up they don't they don't understand that you can respect what lived and what came before you and still be different and proceed 
you know, I think it comes from a, a, a lack of confidence, too, that they'll never be able to beat out the tradition with their new. You don't have to beat out the tradition. You add on. Yeah, it can be layered. And the thing is, is if, if we don't act, if we refuse, I mean, namely you, because you lived it, but if you refuse to acclimate, then they'll have to acclimate. And that's great. They will. New Orleans, I mean, part of the reason I love New Orleans so much is because it is like that. It is. There's so much history. We will be back in just a minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. Less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bitman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? 
a tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I want to ask you a funny question about New Orleans. So it's definitely a food town. It's part of why I love New Orleans so much. It's part of why a lot of people love New Orleans. I want to know if if there's a food that you, as like a New Orleans native, thinks is overrated and specifically tailored to tourists. This is the thing. It's not the food that's overrated. It's the place. And that becomes a sticky conversation. Like rat trap sticky. Like the big rat trap sticky. Not the small one, but the kind when you have a human rat living in your house. Like like that, the big one, you know, <laughs> that you, you know, you're in a bad apartment complex and you got a rat trap, a rat sticky this big, you know, but I've been there. So that's how I know. But <laughs> um, I think it's the style of what they do. <sighs> See, the only thing that I could think that I said, Mm. Why the wild Bloody Marys? But then I could be biased because I I don't like Bloody Marys. But I don't know. Honestly, they've taken everything from the gumbo to I've had all of the stuff that people rave about, but I've had it the better version of it. And I think the problem is is that a lot of restaurants within the area of the quarters they dumb down the flavor to meet the tourists when really the tourists are coming to a city of flavor. So you should come with extra water in your pocket for you to handle all of the spice in the season, you know? So the food, I can't say that, but I will say that there's a lot of restaurants that take the food to a touristy place. And I'm thinking, yeah, I would never eat there like ever. You know, as a local, like as a local, I'm not going to a place to get gumbo. You know, like that's like I went out with my husband one time and he went and he ordered a shrimp po' boy somewhere at a restaurant. I said, why would you do that? Like, why you, <laughs> <laughs> you go to a corner store for that boy. What, is, what are you doing? Like, you know, like and then he was disappointed. I was like, what did you think? Like, why did you do it? Why did you do that? Like, of all things. He had a craving. Come on. He had a craving. Ah, well, he got, he paid for that craving too. I'm glad it wasn't my debit card. <laughs> some, uh, some stuff just doesn't translate to restaurants, I think. I think that there's a, there's a general kind of disappointment among people who know how to cook, and especially people who know how to cook the food that they love. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and try it in a restaurant. It's, you're just always disappointed. That, that's a good phrase to say it doesn't translate. It just doesn't translate well in a restaurant. Yeah, I could agree. You're like, oh, yeah, I can make this work if I ask them for salt and I ask them for Tabasco and I ask them for black pepper and maybe I ask them for lemon and maybe I ask them for a couple other things. I could make this dish taste the way I want it to taste, but now I'm in a restaurant cooking at the table or like fixing the <laughs> dish. That's that's me with my husband. He'll pass me the plate and i told a lady can you bring me uh can you do me a favor and get some cajun seasoning out the back and put in a little thing seasoning yeah a little bit of a little bit of extra seasoning can you bring it out for me thank you because i already already know you you, you two would be good at a restaurant together it would be interesting (laughs) i would probably be super embarrassed but (laughs) i 
I think I think it would. And you know, I'm really nice. I rarely ever critique food for real because I'm thinking I just try to get what they're best at. New Orleans is, you know, described as both Cajun and Creole, or it's where Cajun meets Creole. And I think a lot of outsiders don't know the difference. I wonder if you could just talk about that for a second. Like, what makes something Cajun? What makes something Creole? For sure. The Creole is the mixture of African, French, and Spanish. So, like, for instance, jambalaya is a perfect thing to give it. It's Cajun jambalaya, and there's Creole jambalaya. And I believe you can tell the lineage of the person by how their elders cook. Now, my mother's family, mainly Creole, well, all Creole, right? And her jambalaya is the red jambalaya. That's the jambalaya that has seafood and it has um, tomatoes, like the tomato paste, like kind of like the, the, the red rice kind of look. That is the Creole version. Because when you see tomatoes, what do you think of? You think of Spanish, you know, right. Spaniards, how they eat and stuff like that, right? That's that mix. Now, the Cajun jambalaya is the brown jambalaya. That's typically the jambalaya that you see, for example, the jambalaya that comes in a box. You know how that's brown and the sausage and the spices, and it's kind of like a drier kind of spice taste kind of feel. You know, people who make the brown jambalaya, sometimes they even go as far as like blending up gizzards and putting into it. It has more of a wild, smoky, spicy kind of taste. You know, that's that Cajun, like people think Cajun is just throwing um, hot sauce and making it spicy. But no, when you think about Cajuns and they were people of the bayou, you know, poor refrigeration, what do you have to do? You're dealing with wild game, you know. Yeah, like when you're dealing with like game and stuff like that, that gamey, um, what I call a running around kind of taste, like the food tastes <laughs> as if it's been running around outside. You know, it does, girl. When you don't, if them glass not clean right, and you're not adding like sage and bay leaves and stuff to kind of mute that wild taste and make it be like submissive and calm, it really tastes like, mm, you put duck in this or something? Like, why does it taste so wild? You know, like... <laughs> You have a lot of seasoning that has to happen in order to mute those flavors to make them palatable. So that's, you know, that's the Cajun. That's those that people are to buy you. You know, they do everything different. They, a good bit of them always, you know, they're people who know the land well. Like, they know everything about hunting. They know everything about fishing. That's a good um, difference between Cajun. Cajun is a lot of people of the bayou. They work the land, all that kind of stuff. Creoles, they city people. You'll find a lot of French influences, like depending on like etouffee. Etouffee, there's two ways to make it. One with butter, with a butter roux that only goes to a peanut butter color and one with a fat roux. That lets you know that fat is typically probably going to be from a Cajun person, that fat roux. But a butter roux, my mama, when she makes etouffee, she uses a butter roux because that gravy has this smooth, rich, velvety kind of feel in comparison to the hard feel of brown gravy Hmm. there's a difference you know and those little telltale signs are in the midst of cajun creole food you're like this is rich and creamy that's creole this is spicy and however this is you know typically going to be brown have a lot of smokiness to it that kind of thing that's going to be cajun so it's like bayou and city i like in the book in the book when you call it um a wilder kind of cooking and um i thought that was really fun and you talk about how your dad really likes that kind of cooking and your mom was like no not for me <laughs> oh no she's the talk she's that you you eat rabbit do you know that's the easter money jokes on you mom i don't believe in Easter money. so <laughs> give me the rabbit stew babe you know <laughs> yeah how are your parents are they good Yes, they're so good. They're good. They're in, they're enjoying this, what's going on and, and seeing. Because for a long time, you know, from me having a baby at 16, and I was already the kid that nobody asked, like, what were you going to do when you grow up? Because they knew I was making bad grades. They just thought nothing of me in a sense, you know. And, you know, as a parent, that reflects on you. They look at you like you raised 
a screw up and to see what I've turned into. I think it's it's just very interesting. Sometimes it's things a little watching them process it. Like my dad one day and he doesn't say much about it, but he said when he saw people trying to take pictures with me and he said, isn't that funny how all of them thought that you were this and how people pulled their children away from being around me when I got pregnant because they felt like maybe she was going to, you know, I don't know, promote that lifestyle or whatever. But he just remembers me being ostracized and people looking down on them and seeing this, you know, how it all came about and watching how, and he was like, now everybody's looking at our kids like they're the ones who did this. And I said, you know, tough love is always uh, seen as mean and brutal in the beginning, you know, and being supportive sometimes can look like relentlessly stupid, but it's not until the results show up that you really know that, oh, they were supportive. Oh, they gave tough love. Oh, they guided, they corrected. You know, it's a different side of love that's hard to see when it's happening. So, yeah, they're, they're doing good with it, though, now. It's, it's beautiful. Can you talk for a minute about fried chicken and watermelon jam sandwich? Oh, child. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we like the sound of that. Man, when I when I thought about that, excuse my friends, but I said, bitch, you on a You on something. <laughs> and I thought of it and I said, I wonder if I could successfully pull this off and people receive it in a certain way. And when I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do it. But you know, I teach these classes basically. It's unapologetic black education on re- reconstruction.us, right? That I teach these classes. And this food is I I propose the class to be like history on a plate. So at the end of the class, I always gave fun fact. Bet you didn't know this is African. Yeah. <laughs> that was my jingle. So um <laughs> I did that as an adult. I recorded my voice. But anyway, um, so with the fried chicken and watermelon, I wanted to mash up two things that have like a negative view around it. You know, some things that just seem like people are nervous. Like when it comes down to fried chicken, I remember Chris and I was somewhere, somewhere maybe about six years ago. And the people, the, the chicken came late to the party and we were like, hey, had to be like, maybe it's only three black people at this party out we were invited to. And the chicken hit the table and I looked and I said, <laughs> give me a plate. And he said, I will not be the first one eating that chicken. And I said, you, boy, you cannot eat if you want. But you know, it's funny listening to it, but that's a real thing that you look back at that. And you're like, you know, when I thought about making watermelon as one of the things, the first thing I thought of is, <sighs> I thought about the caricatures in my head. You know, I, I thought about, you know, it being called knitting candy. I thought about a whole bunch of different things. And I thought, just like everything else, switch the narrative and teach these babies about this stuff. Show them that whatever narrative that they're given about something, they can choose to go up a different side of that mountain, you know? And I said how everything, if you notice that there's a lot of grit in the stories, there was all of this was strategic in, in the way I planned it. There's a lot of grit in the stories. The photos are really gripping and, you know, different. But when you get to the full photos, them bitches are just pristine. Like even even taking a hood meal like egg and rice and putting it in the book and making it look like something with rags on the side. You're like, girl, you did not. But (laughs) it's the same thing. (laughs) It's the same thing with the, the fried chicken and watermelon, watermelon jam sandwich, because it's just. Is just, I'm not only going to take what you've made fun of me with, but I'm going to make it elegant. I'm going to elevate it. And I'm going to make you want it. I'm going to make you wish that you came from the land that that has watermelon. You know, with that 85%, you know, saying, producing a huge fruit like that. Like, that's just, that's majestic, you know? And when I was telling my mama about it, and I told her about the watermelon on the cover of the book, and she was an she was actually, that was when she started. My mother's on oxygen right now. And well, she's been for the past couple of years now. And um, when it first started, we had to take shifts sitting in the hospital with her. And I was doing the curriculum and stuff like that. And I told her about the book. And I said, it's going to be watermelon on the cover. And she, and she sat up 
she set up double pneumonia, oxygen connected to it. She set up and said, Toya, no. And I said, let me explain to you about this. And I explained where watermelon comes from. And I explained the whole idea of switching the narrative. And she said, man, you know how rich that sand had to be in order to produce a watermelon? I switched the narrative. This is a woman who was who dealt with segregation. You know, she was with my daddy when he got egg in the Magnolia Projects. Like, this is a woman who saw all of that within a little twist of the head perspective. She went to saying, man, you know how rich that soil had to be? She's no longer thinking of dry, barren land. You know how they show Africa as if it's just dry and empty, you yeah. know? Now she's thinking of that sand as, ooh, what's in that sand? <laughs> it switches. So it gives a confidence in here with your Blackness, like, ooh. Because, you know, most of the connection with our Blackness is the idea of being stolen, oppressed, or whatever. So it's like, hold up. How can we switch this? How can I turn this into a rags to riches thought or mindset? You know, and that's why the fried chicken and watermelon sounds that watermelon will always be my jam. You know, and that's, I wanted to, you know, just to shock it. Like you can't, because when you think about it with stuff like that, of rich content, when it's flipped to be negative, I said, it's almost equivalent to someone making fun of somebody because they come from a two-parent household. Why are you making fun of that? Because they come from a land that's rich like that? That's crazy. It's ludicrous. You know, so that's why I really stuck to that sandwich and I really wanted that sandwich to be something to be to be highlighted in the book for real. What a great answer. Thank you. I love that. I'm going to ask you the question that we ask everybody, which is what did you have for dinner last night? Gumbo. I made chicken and sausage gumbo early yesterday morning. Oh yeah, you said that. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to cook for three days. Somebody saw me and asked me, did you make enough to share? No, indeed. I don't All the YouTube channels I got, videos you asked me that I make some of the check. Girl, you don't get in the damn kitchen to cook it yourself. I'm not doing that. No. Toya, this was so much fun. It was so fun to talk to you. It was good talking to y'all too. Y'all are fun. Thank you so much (laughs) for all the time. Thank you for (laughs) your time. It was really great. Mark is a riot too. He is. Like, (laughs) you know, this dude is funny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hope thank you, Toya. You thank you. Thanks, Toya. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 So this recipe from Toya is for eggs and rice, and it's in a chapter called Black Ingenuity Always Shows Up in the Kitchen, which I love. And it's just I had to go make this as like as soon as we started talking about this recipe. I was like, I can't wait to go make this, of course. There's very little to it, and it's such a winner. Eggs and rice. You need three tablespoons of salted butter or more, a quarter cup of chopped green onions, scallions. You could use shallots here, too, if you wanted to, regular onion for that matter. Four eggs, a tablespoon of milk, four cups of cooked rice, salt and pepper, and Cajun or Creole seasoning, optional. Melt the butter over medium heat in a large skillet and add the green onions. Saute until fragrant or about five minutes. Meanwhile, whisk the eggs and milk in a bowl. I know you know where this is going, but you want to eat it, don't you? That was me. That was not in the recipe. Add the eggs to the butter and green onions in the skillet and begin to scramble. Halfway through being done, add the rice and begin to scramble them all together until the eggs are fully cooked. This should take six to seven minutes to make sure the rest of the egg is cooked and the rice is fully heated. Season to taste with salt and pepper or Cajun seasoning if you're using it. You can also add some extra butter if you like at the end. That's fine too. Serve and enjoy. Man, I did go make this. As I said, you know there's nothing to it and it is fabulous. Thank you again to the terrific Toya Bodhi for joining us today. Thank you, of course, to Kate, my co-host and producer and daughter, and to Davis Lloyd, our engineer. If you want more from us, 
visit BitmanProject.com and please subscribe to the podcast and to our newsletter. Please also get a copy of Toya's book, Cooking for the Culture, out now. And you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter immediately at Toya Bodhi. That's T-O-Y-A-B-O-U-D-Y at Toya Bodhi. Okay, that's it for today. Check us out next week when we'll have somebody fabulous. And until then, thank you and bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.